Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode number 221 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline. And we're back with no games to look forward to. First time we've been able to say that in a few months. Unless, of course, you're talking about all-star games, but the reality is that the week of practices leading up to those games matter far more than the games themselves. What we do have to look at, though, is Monday night's college football playoff national championship, which saw Tony get a little bit of retribution on his Georgia pick in the SEC championship game as the Bulldogs exercised all of their demons with a 33-18 win over Alabama in a game that, despite that score, was a one-possession game until the final minute. Tony, how's it feel to be right? Unusual, I guess. (laughs) I mean, I'm not a gambling man, but I usually, you know, bet things with common sense and logic and they, they never come true. They did on Monday night. And more importantly, I feel good for Georgia and their fans. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely, obviously a great game to watch, um, you know, a bit slow at first. If you like, if you don't like defense, uh, certainly it was a bit slow at first, or if you don't like, you know, struggling offense, cause that's what Georgia was for, uh, you know, a good portion of that game, but you know, overall, yeah. I mean, Kirby smart wins one for his alma mater, lots of different storylines there, the long drought, for Georgia as well. And, and certainly, you know, knocking off Alabama, who's there pretty much every year. A lot of people very happy to see Nick Saban and the tide go down. Great crowd, great atmosphere. And, you know, you're right. I mean, it was a little bit slow in the beginning, but if you understood the teams and you knew the makeup with the teams, you, you know, you, you had to believe that that was a real good game. Now we'll get to this week's show in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to get started. No more college football, but certainly we still have the NFL basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, as promised, we'll take a look at the college football playoff national championship game here. Georgia, again, a 33-18 victory over Alabama. And I mean, really, this is a game that Alabama was ahead for a large portion of. Georgia took over the lead in the third quarter uh, and really, I mean, kind of dominated that fourth quarter and really just stepped up their game as the game went along. You know, neither team, as we said, it was kind of a bit of a slow start. Um, You know, Alabama really just couldn't keep things moving consistently against the Georgia defense. Georgia really just could not get their offense on track at the beginning of the game, I think it was not quite what the Alabama defense was doing outside of Christian Harris, who had an outstanding game. Um, but it was a lot of it just struggles 
on George's end to sustain drives. Stetson Bennett didn't really look great from the get, but certainly got better as the game went on. Um, you know, kind of taking an overview of the game here. It was just a very close, very well-played game overall. Um, you know, again, not the start that I think a lot of people were hoping for, but as Tony said, if you're familiar with these two teams, you know that there was going to be a little bit of a, a process there, feeling each other out, um, you know, a defensive type of struggle early. Obviously, the injury to Jamison Williams, which later confirmed as a torn ACL, was a real put a real damper on this game. Um, you know, Bryce Young missing his top two wide receivers. Uh, that really, you know, changed the dynamic of the game as well. Just, you know, what the Alabama offense was able to do. Overall, what were your thoughts on the game as a whole, Tony? couple things. I mean, number one, when that game started off, I thought we were going to see a repeat of the SEC title game because it seemed that uh, Alabama was able to push the Georgia defense up and down the field. Now, unlike the SEC title game, Alabama was coming away with field goals rather than touchdowns to build up a big lead because Georgia did a solid job moving the ball. They weren't able to score touchdowns. They kicked field goals, which kept the game very close. I think really the turning point in that game, hands down, was the injury to Jamison Williams, who we'll have to wait and see what he does with the draft. But that's a significant injury this late into the season. Remember, we're in, we're in the middle part of January. Because if you watch that game, yes, while Georgia took control of the game in the fourth quarter, there were a lot of drop passes by Alabama receivers that Jamison Williams would have come away with. That last interception uh, that Georgia returned for a touchdown. If you watched the play before, there was a ter terrific pass by Bryce Young down the uh, right sideline. The receiver could have made the uh, catch. He basically kind of made a – didn't seem to know what he was doing. Jamison Williams makes that catch and takes it into the end zone. And there were a couple of other passes thrown by Bryce Young where receivers had the ball. They couldn't hold on to it. And Jamison Williams really would have made the catch. Now, give Georgia credit, but, you know, as you said – it was a terrible injury for Alabama off the heels of the Mechie injury. I mean, they lose their two explosive playmakers in back-to-back -back games. And injuries to big-time players are nothing new for the Alabama program. We can get to that uh, another time. Uh, but really, that was the turning point in the game. We didn't see the fruition of the results till much later on. But it, it is part of the game. I, I hate to say this. You know, it's it's sad and funny at the same time, but it seems, you know, the best way to beat Alabama is their major playmakers go down with injury. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that one throw right before the, the game-ending pick six. I mean, that wasn't just a terrific – that was a perfect throw. I mean, that was pretty good coverage, and Bryce Young just dropped that ball right in there. He did that several times after Jamison Williams goes out of the game, and, and yeah, his receivers just could not come down with the ball. They could not make plays for him. I mean, Jamison Williams – Outside of Cameron Latu, who had that one long reception, Jameson Williams was the leading receiver in this game. Didn't even play half the game, barely played a quarter of the game and was the leading receiver for Alabama. So that tells you all you need to know about what happened and what transpired after his injury. Absolutely brutal. And I mean, really, what you saw from Bryce Young, not a draft eligible guy, so we won't go too deep. But I mean, what he was able to do, he didn't seem phased in any way without his receivers. He was still putting the ball exactly where he needed to put it. Certainly guys weren't getting open quite like they were if he has John Mechie and Jameson Williams on the field. But I mean, the reality is, I mean, these guys, they're all five-star recruits, maybe some four-star guys, but I mean, these are all very talented players. They just were kind of thrust into the spotlight in a huge game with tons of pressure against, you know, a defense with 
most of the players on it set to play in the NFL. So just a situation, you know, an unfortunate situation, both for Jamison Williams and kind of Alabama here, as you said, going to be really interesting to see what happens with the draft. I mean, this is now kind of going to be the poster boy for postseason injuries. Recently, it's been Jake, Butt. uh, you know, he tore his ACL, never really was the same, didn't have you know, much of an NFL career bounced around for a couple of years and, and now he's out of the league. Um, James and Williams, you know, more talented than Jake, Butt, uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see if he does decide to make the leap to the NFL. I mean, he's going to miss a majority of his rookie season, most likely, um, you know, he's going to have to be stashed and it's, and it's just really, really unfortunate to see because he was building so much momentum, especially if he continued the way he was playing without John Mechie. Well, I, I would say it's probably closer to Jalen Smith, the uh, linebacker from mm. Notre Dame. If you remember yeah. that devastating knee injury uh, he suffered uh, in the Ohio State, I believe it was the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State, went from a top 10 pick. It, you know, it was surprising that he went in the second round, has never been the same. Obviously, it's a different injury. I mean, Jamison Williams, I think the big problem with the injury is it happened so late. Uh, you know, if, if it's a clean tear, he should be back sooner rather than later, and he should be okay. Uh, I don't think he'll lose any speed. The question is the route running ability. And the question is, you know, he's not going to really be able to develop his game with the training, with things like that before the, the uh, combine, uh, you know, you, you kind of touched on it. I think the big difference in this game compared to the sec title game was the pressure that uh, Georgia was able to get up the field on Bryce Young. Cause they were in his face, you know, maybe they didn't have a lot of sacks, but they were in his face harassing him the entire game. I, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, it's one guy after another. I mean, the game, the guy who, who was the big play guy, big defensive guy uh, Monday night was uh, Channing uh, uh, Tyndale, who really wasn't even a starter for much of the season. And now you're looking at a second day pick with Tyndale. It's going to be interesting. We've already seen uh, Alabama uh, Crimson Tide tight end Jaleel Billingsley said that he's entering the transfer portal. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Stetson Bennett. Uh, he says he's undecided on 2022. Stetson Bennett is a great story. You know, walk on, leads Georgia to a national championship, although I kind of say that loosely because it was their defense that led him to a national championship. Stetson Bennett, give him all the praise, give him all the credit, but the fact is this, he's not an NFL prospect, and if he goes back to Georgia, it ain't going to get any better than what we saw this week especially with all those defenders and his left tackle leaving for the NFL. So that'll be interesting from a, you know, a human interest point of view to watch what Stetson Bennett does next. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as as you said, kind of a defense carrying him, although, I mean, Stetson Bennett in the SEC championship game, really bad game showed out just, it just poorly just was, it was just not a good performance this game. You know, he didn't throw for 300 yards. He didn't throw for four touchdowns, but he did everything that Georgia needed him to do. He hit some big plays when they needed. I mean, that one George Pickens catch down the field, which by the way, wasn't just an outstanding catch from, from George Pickens who looking like he's getting kind of up to speed from an ACL injury of his own. Um, but just the way he protected that ball and, and prevented it from hitting the ground, just a completely awesome catch. Then he makes the throw on the free play down the field to Mitchell for the touchdown. I mean, there were definitely some big plays here. And I mean, that's what I talked about last week when we were previewing this game, I said that Georgia had to get James cook involved because he was their most explosive playmaker. Well, James cook, uh, he only touched the ball eight times, maybe 92 yards out of it though. He averaged almost 13 yards of carry. I mean, most of that came on that really long run, uh, 67 yarder that he had, um, which, you know, another explosive play that helped Georgia out, but really 
the big plays that they needed came from the passing game and they came from Stetson Bennett in this one, which, you know, kind of surprising, but when you're getting big plays from Stetson Bennett and your defense is what it is against an Alabama team without his top two receivers, you add all that up. And and this is a game that, you know, if you told me coming in that that was going to happen, I would have said Georgia was going to win the game for sure. Yeah, and not just big plays, but smart plays. I mean, that that pass to uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end, which really almost sealed the game or, or put Georgia way up ahead when he was get, getting hammered and when, when uh, the safety Jordan battle was uh, bearing down on him and then actually got a penalty because he uh, he smacked uh, Bennett in, in the uh, in the face mask. That was it wasn't a big play, but it was a smart play and it was an important play. Absolutely. So kind of enough from us as far as the game as a whole. I mean, certainly we've touched on a few players as we go here, but let's kind of take a look and break down a lot of the matchups that we were looking at closely in this game, because really as great as the game was, it was a very good game. Um, You know, NFL scouts are not looking for that. They're looking for what certain players are doing against other players. And the one that we were really looking forward to coming into the game amongst many, of course, was Evan Neal for Alabama against Trayvon Walker for Georgia. And I mean, really in this game, Trayvon Walker, he did have a sack. I uh, did have a few tackles, but I thought Evan Neal did an excellent job in this game as he's done pretty much every time we've covered him this season. Um, you know, Georgia did get a lot of pressure, but a lot of that pressure was up the middle on Bryce Young. It was Jordan Davis. It was Devonte Wyatt. It was linebackers on the blitz. It was guys coming through the middle. It was guys stunting, twisting, whatever. It wasn't really pressure that came on Evan Neal. I thought it was another good game for him. And, and really outside of that t- sack for Trayvon Walker, I think it was kind of a quiet game for him overall. What do you think of how these two went against each other, Tony? Yeah, I mean, I thought Neal probably struggled more in this game than he had in any game this season, which is not saying much because he really, really didn't struggle during the season. But I thought that uh, Georgia was able to exploit him a couple times and expose him. There are a couple of people in the league who believe that Evan Neal is actually going to be best at guard in the NFL. I don't know that I agree with that yet, but I I could see watching the game Monday night, why they would think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. You know, Evan Neal, does he have the body type to play left tackle? What about his arm length? Uh, I think people will point to this game, but then again, you know, he didn't play poorly. I just think that Georgia showed some things that kind of exposed them sort of the way Georgia was able to game plan Aiden Hutchinson uh, out of the game in the, in the uh, semifinal playoff game. Now kind of flipping sides here, because you mentioned Evan Neal possibly having to move into guard, but what happened in this game, a guy that we've talked about possibly moving to guard at the NFL level, Jamari Sawyer for Georgia, he actually moved to guard in the middle of the game. Georgia made an adjustment adjustment early, took him out of the left tackle spot, put him, I believe it was at right guard, um, to really just kind of change up the offensive line. I mean, you just, you don't see that very often in, in literally the middle of a game, but Sawyer definitely held his own on the inside. Um, you know, not that we wouldn't have expected him to do such a thing. Um, you know, we were a bit interested to see his matchup with Will Anderson on the outside. Will Anderson was actually pretty quiet in this one. Again, like Trayvon Walker had a few tackles, but didn't really make any impact plays behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Certainly none of his patented tackles for loss or sacks or or anything like that. So the Georgia offensive line, while maybe it doesn't have um, top tier NFL talent on it, it's a good unit. And it did a nice job against the Alabama defensive line 
Will Anderson. It did a good job. Fidarian Mathis was relatively quiet compared to other games that we've seen from him as well. I mean, most of the pressure here, I mean, Christian Harris had three sacks in this game for Alabama. So a lot of the pressure that the Tide was able to get on Georgia was manufactured via blitzes and, and twists and studs. I mean, they usually don't have a lot of guys on their front three because they play a 3-4 uh, that get uh, a lot of pressure. I thought Will Anderson played well. For Darian Mathis, you know, if you noticed, he went off late with a shoulder injury. He was grabbing his left shoulder, his right shoulder, I believe it was. And he looked like he was in a lot of pain. And Darian Mathis has had a real good season. I mean, he's a big guy. He's shown himself to be a playmaker. He's always been a good gap occupier. But, you know, we, we talked about Jamison Williams and that injury. Keep an eye on what happens with the Darian Mathis moving forward because he looked like he was in a lot of pain with that shoulder when he came off. And shoulder injuries are never good. Absolutely. And, and one guy that we talked about kind of coming in to the week that a lot of people may not know about in terms of the casual fan, Lewis Seen. Um, I mean, this guy was an impact force on defense in this game. Seven tackles, one for loss, also broke up a pass. But the stats don't really tell the story because – he came up and he laid some hits. I mean, he was really hitting hard, really coming up, defending the run, kind of setting the tone for that Georgia defense. And, you know, Alabama, listen, without Jamison Williams, without John Mechie, I mean, Brian Robinson ran the ball 22 times, only for 68 yards. It was kind of similar to what he did against Georgia in the SEC title game, just wasn't able to really get free. Did have a couple of nice runs, showed off the power that we know he has, but Overall, just wasn't a game where Brian Robinson in the Alabama ground game was able to get going. Certainly combine that with the struggles of the passing game once the top two receivers went out, and it really became a challenge for Alabama. But defensively, I mean, Lewisine really set the tone for Georgia early in that game. They played consistently for all four quarters as well. Lewisine was terrific. He's going to enter the draft. He's going to be a day two pick. He's fast. He's explosive. He's got good range. I like the way he helps the cornerbacks. I like the way he gets out to the sidelines. He shows decent ball skills. I thought he helped Darion Kendrick, who I thought showed flashes throughout the day. Uh, you know, I thought that, as I said, Shannon Tyndale was the star of the Georgia defense. I do agree that Lewis Seen, you know, if Channing Tyndale was number one, then Lewis Seen was number one A. Uh, Tyndale, like I said, I mean, here's a guy who wasn't a, a consistent starter. It was N'Kobe Dean. It was Quay Walker. It was Nolan Smith. And Tyndale just plays lights out. I, I mean, a lot of pressure up the field, very explosive, really, you know, showed. I think that if he was on another team that needed a starting linebacker, we probably would have seen this from him all season. Uh, but it was a situation where he just couldn't get on the field because they've got so much talent uh, at, at Georgia and that linebacker crew. So uh, Told he's very likely going to enter the draft a senior who could go back for another year. I think we're going to see all those guys enter. Kobe Dean, I think he's going to enter the draft. We can talk about him. Uh, but again, I, I mean, Seen was good. I happen to like Tyndale. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned talking about Dean. I mean, it, it was not a banner game for N'Kobe Dean. I mean, he's a guy that we've discussed. Like, you know, normally you see him. He's all over the field. He's making plays in every direction. He's always around the ball. You didn't really see that. In this game, yes, he had four tackles. Only two of them were solo. I played decent in coverage. But, I mean, really, as you said, it was it was Channing Tyndale. It was Quay Walker and Nolan Smith making a lot more plays in this game than the Kobe Dean, which was pretty surprising because, you know, first play of the game, the Kobe Dean comes out and, you know, he makes a play. So you think, okay, well, this is just going to be another game from the Kobe Dean where he just controls the tempo and just kind of 
takes care of everything on defense. But yeah, in this game, it was Channing Tindall. It was Lewisine, Quay Walker, Nolan Smith. It was the other guys. And certainly that's what make this Georgia defense so good is that even when N'Kobe Dean isn't the guy flying around making 10 tackles, making a ton of impact plays, they just have so much other talent that it doesn't really matter. They can pick up the slack for them and you don't even really notice when a guy like that doesn't have a banner game. The thing about N'Kobe Dean, it's interesting. He's going to enter the draft. I have him as a first-round pick. I heard from somebody this week, just a couple of days ago, I should say, after the game, that they think uh, in the league, they think he's more day two because he's going to be downgraded due to his height. He's probably going to be barely five foot eleven inches. Now we've seen shorter linebackers go early in the draft, and I stand by what I believe is that Kobe Dean is going to be a first-round uh, selection. Uh, Nolan Smith played well. Jordan Davis played reasonably well. Here's the interesting thing. If you watch Georgia, they were rotating their defensive line and their defensive uh, front seven players a lot throughout the game. And I think that was due to the fact that in that SEC title game, they were gassed. In fact, if you listen to the broadcast, they mentioned how after that Alabama game, the defenders basically dedicated themselves to getting out and running every morning to improve their conditioning. I think that's what led to... uh, you know, Jordan Davis being shuffled in and out of the lineup to try and keep him fresh, especially down the uh, down the stretch of the game. But Devontae Wyatt had some fantastic plays. Uh, he is an explosive guy. Obviously, he loses out in headlines to, to a Jordan Davis. Uh, I think on most other teams, he would be the star defensive lineman. I think he's going to be a solid middle-round choice. I think he's more of a three-technique tackle, but I thought he showed well during the game. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely more of a Devontae Wyatt game than a Jordan Davis game. And and that's not something we've said often this season, because I mean, Jordan Davis has been absolutely outstanding this year. He's going to be a first round pick for a reason, but we've always talked about Devontae Wyatt here as, as a guy that, you know, gets overshadowed even coming into the season when Jordan Davis was more of a second rounder, Devontae Wyatt was still getting overshadowed because people were still talking about Jordan Davis. So it was nice to see him on the big stage here, making some plays because as you said, he's a penetrator. He's a guy that can get into the backfield and do some nice things. I do want to touch on something you mentioned before with Lewis seen in terms of helping out on Darian Kendrick. Um, I remember on our preview show and also the SEC championship show, you said that one of your major concerns on Kendrick was the fact that he just doesn't get his head around quickly. And, and you kind of saw that play out a couple times in this game where he's just running with the receiver. Listen, he does a good job of, of staying in stride with them, reading their hands and, and making plays that way. But yeah, he's not the guy that's going to turn around and make a play there, which is going to cost him some interceptions at the next level, might cost him a couple pass breakups at the next level. And maybe most importantly, it's going to cost him penalty yardage at the next level because all that receiver needs to do is slow down. And Darian Kendrick might have trouble adjusting to it if he's trailing that close and if his head is not really turned around there. So it was interesting that you said that. And then I made sure to watch for it closely. And I saw a few times Darian Kendrick do that. Whereas you see on that game ending interception, Kaylee Ringo gets his head around, makes the play, and takes it to the house. Maybe if that ball is thrown to Darian Kendrick, we see a different outcome on that play. Yeah, the thing about Kendrick is just he's he's disappointing in the sense that when you watched him in 2019 at Clemson, you saw some big time potential, but he never really developed his game. I, you know, last year had a mediocre season at Clemson, gets dismissed from the program catches on to an outstanding Georgia program. And we've seen some very spotty play from Kendrick 
really the last two years, but especially this year, as you mentioned. Now, one last guy I want to discuss here. We mentioned him a bit earlier in the show, haven't gone like too deep into what he did, but Christian Harris for Alabama. Um, and this was a guy entering the season that, you know, we talked about as a potential day two type of guy. Didn't quite have the season I think a lot of people expected him to have. But in this game, I mean, if he did this all season, the talk around Christian Harris would be a lot different than it currently is because, I mean, you could look at the stat sheet and it tells you a little bit of a story, let alone watching the game where, you know, he's all over the place. He's making plays in the backfield. He had three sacks. Um, you know, a lot of those are coming on manufactured blitzes and, and things like that, certainly. But, I mean, he was everywhere you could want him to be in this game. He did in this game what Nicobe Dean does in most other games throughout this season. So to see Christian Harris finally put it all together in this particular game, I thought it was great to see because we didn't really see it that much this season. And it was something that was a little disappointing because I think we expected a little bit more from Christian Harris. And then he finally came through in the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I mean, expecting, I, I had him as a potential first round pick uh, off the uh, 2020 film. And yeah, I was highly disappointed because I was one of his mouthpieces coming into the season and he's gotten progressively better and better. It was definitely uh very underwhelming and very disappointing early on thought he was better as the season went on thought he was good in the sec title game he was fantastic here i mean the christian harris that you saw in the national championship game was the christian harris that i saw week in and week out in 2020 and the guy i expected to see this year and the player that i expected to really develop into a first round pick that does that looks like it's gone by the wayside i've not heard whether or not he's going to enter the draft but this is one thing about christian harris is if he plays to the level that we saw on Monday night to a consistent basis, I mean, he is a three-down defender. He is a three-down defender that can play in a 4-3. He can play in a 34 defense. He's great in pursuit. He gets stepped on his pass drops, real good against the, uh, the run, can blitz on occasion. They really don't blitz him because they don't need him to rush the passer. they got so many other guys. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're on the mark with that. Harris was one of my favorite defenders coming into the season, kind of tailed off, really picked it up. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what his next move is. I could see him entering the draft and then he goes somewhere late round two, early round three. I can see him going back. And if he really plays to his potential, he'd be a definite first round choice in 2023. All right. So that's a lot of the players that we really wanted to discuss here. And, and certainly there's a lot of them in a game like this. Usually we're not able to dedicate, you know, nearly a half hour of podcast time to one football game, but now that tells you the star power and, and the future NFL studs that are on the field in this game and that played relatively well. Tony, before we end it, though, do you have any parting thoughts on the game as a whole? Any feelings that you had watching some of the prospects? Anything like that that you kind of want to imprint as we close the book on the 2021 football season here for the, at least at the college level? No, I, I mean, listen, you had the two best teams in the nation playing. I was glad Georgia won because they were really the best team uh, at, throughout the entire season, except for that one blip, which was the SEC title game. It wasn't even a blip. It was, it was a major hurdle uh, or a mountain that, uh, that when they lost, uh, you saw the big time players step up and, you know, as much as people don't like Alabama, I mean, they're going to be back next year. Uh, they've got to reload on defense, which Nick Saban will, will do. But, I mean, with Bryce Young there and some of their interior offensive linemen coming back, I mean, 
Georgia's going to take a step back next year. Ohio State should be better, but they're going to have questions on defense. Who knows about Oregon? Who knows about Oklahoma? I mean, I saw a preseason poll that had Clemson up there in the, in the top four. Why? I mean, you know, <laughs> Clemson just doesn't have real good talent, and they lost both of their coordinators. But we know this. You know, they lost a very tight game or a game at the very end, Alabama, but they're going to be back next year with some outstanding talent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you look at Bryce Young. I mean, obviously, he's coming off a Heisman Trophy season. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking a lot more about Bryce Young heading into the 2023 draft for obvious reasons. But I mean, you saw from Bryce Young in this game, he lost his top two guys, still ended up throwing for almost 400 yards. Yes, he threw the ball almost 60 times, only had one touchdown, threw a couple of picks, obviously the big one at the end. But the reality is he was still dropping dimes left and right. He was doing the best job he could handling the Georgia pressure. Um, you know, again, when it comes up the middle, it's certainly a little tougher to handle. He's mobile enough to get outside and make plays that way. But when the plays break down and you have to move off structure, that's when the connection with a guy like John Mechie, the connection with a guy like Jamison Williams really matters and is so much more important. Obviously, he didn't have this in this game, but I thought he fought. I thought he showed a lot of moxie, a lot of pride. He didn't let the game get too big for him. He said, you know what? My guys are out. I'm just going to try to make plays with the guys that are here. I think that bodes really well for his future, in addition to, you know, the massive talent that's in his right arm as well. I, I mean, I, I hate to throw the label of franchise NFL quarterback on a prospect so early in their career, but this guy's got all the makings to be exactly that. And that's it for the 221st episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back next week as the offseason and, frankly, the bulk of our work here officially begins. But until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.